the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, August the 7th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1782, General George Washington created the Order of the Purple Heart. That's a decoration to recognize merit to enlisted men and non-commissioned officers. Today in 1789, the U.S. Department of War was established by Congress. Today in 1912, Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, was nominated for president by the Progressive Party. It was also known as the Bull Moose Party in Chicago. Today in 1888, Theophilus Van Canel of Philadelphia, he received the patent for a revolving door. I felt you should know that. Today, in 1942, U.S. and other Allied forces landed at Guadalcanal, marking the start of the first major Allied offensive in the Pacific during World War II. Today, in 1959, the United States launched an Explorer 6 satellite, sent back images of the Earth. They were amazing. No one but God, as far as we know, had ever seen the Earth from that perspective. Today, in 1971, the Apollo 15 moon mission, it ended successfully. The command module splashed down in the Pacific. Today, in 2000, Vice President and Democratic presidential candidate Al Gore, he selected Connecticut Senator Joseph Lieberman as his running mate. Lieberman became the first Jewish candidate on a major party presidential ticket. And 10 years ago today, Elena Kagan, was sworn in as the 112th Justice of the Supreme Court, fourth woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. Ted Cruz came out of a hearing this week pretty upset. He's emotional. I like Ted Cruz a lot. He's emotional, and he was emotional when he came out of this hearing. It was a hearing by a subcommittee, a Senate subcommittee, that had to do with Antifa, or Antifa, if, as some are calling it now. The group that's supposed to be anti-fascists, that's what their name says they are. However, they are the fascists. And more and more people are beginning to know that. I mean, it's pretty apparent. So Ted Cruz came out of this, out of this uh, hearing, and I watched part of it uh, on video later, not live, but I, I saw part of what he was talking about, but he said, he said, they want to encourage these radical leftists. He was talking about the Democrats, and they did. I was surprised that they were so open about their feelings and their support for this Antifa. Democrats are facilitating riots and violence in major U.S. cities and encouraging radical leftists, Cruz said. He said, they're already threatening America and Americans. Cruz said, and I'm quoting him, What's happening, unfortunately, and he wasn't quiet in the in the hearing, by the way. He was saying he's not <clears throat> not only to the media after the fact, but he was saying it in there on the record. But he said, Cruz said, what's happening, unfortunately, is not free speech. 
and those who are peaceably protesting are seeing their protest hijacked by violent anarchists, by Marxists who are engaged in acts of terror. Well, here's how that works. He's absolutely right, and it's happening. Here's how that works. This morning, the Seattle Times is reporting KNX uh, or KNKX, KNKX Public Radio in Seattle. You know who pays the bills of public radio? <laughs> the taxpayer. They've announced that they're axing, or they have axed as of this morning, their long running weather segment with meteorologist Cliff Mass. Now, Cliff Mass is a professor at the University of Washington. And what he did was he wrote a post earlier this week, and it was comparing Seattle's protesters smashing glass, burning buildings, all the stuff, to the early Nazi militia known as brown shirts. Now, he didn't say those words, but it was implied. Mass wrote, here's what he actually said on his, on his blog. He said, quote, Seattle has had its crystal knock, which is the name of the night that he was referring to, and I'll tell you about it in a moment, maybe you know. And he said the photos of what occurred during the past weeks are eerily similar to those of 80 years ago. That's what he actually said. Well, Crystal Knock was a program that was carried out by the Nazis in 1938. It was the precursor to the Holocaust. It was a turning point in Germany when social, political, and economic persecution of Jewish people turned physical. They ran through the streets. I've talked about that before on this program. They ran through the streets. They broke glass. They burned. They ruined businesses. And they targeted the Jewish businesses. KNX or KNKX came out and said, we abhor the comparison and find it sensationalized and misleading. It does not reflect who we are and what we stand for. Yes, it does. It really does. They may not know that, but it does. Mass, as I said, is a professor of atmospheric sciences at the University of Washington. He said this morning, he's, he's fired. He said this morning, he said, I am stunned by the reaction. He said it exploded in a way I was just stunned. He's Jewish. He was merely making a reference. The glass, well, well, they're sweeping up glass on the streets of Seattle. He's making a reference because he's heartbroken over what's happening to the city, as many others are. And he didn't think or say the right thing. And so he got fired. And that's exactly what came down with the Nazis in Germany. Not only against Jewish, but certainly against the Jewish people, but anybody who disagreed with what they were doing. He said he walked the streets of Seattle the other day. He said, I was deeply moved as I walked around the city. He said the shattered windows, empty, boarded up businesses. He said it reminded me of the infamous November night when German paramilitary officers and rioters broke the windows of 7,000 Jewish-owned businesses. You're not supposed to say that, and you're not supposed to even think it. And if you do, you'll be punished. You know, the left is killing America, one city at a time, in the name of compassion, 
in the, in the name of progressivism. Seattle Times is reporting that in the culmination of years of activist efforts to stop the removal of homeless camps, City Council voted Wednesday to dismantle the program's task with seeking alternative shelter for the homeless, then removing the camps. In other words, there's been this thing, it's, I forget the name of it, but it's a committee that's been working under the auspices of the city of Seattle. And what they do, they go out and they interact with these all these massive, massive camps all over the city. And it's not just Seattle, it's everywhere. Most of the major cities, some of the smaller cities, and they go out and they talk to these guys and they try to get them to go into a shelter. They never, hardly ever accept the offer and they work with them and then they move the camp. And they've been doing this for a number of years now. And the time notes that this is actually a victory for the activists because they don't want anything to happen. They want more, more homeless in the cities. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. They are actively trying to build the homeless population in the name of compassion. They're virtue signaling just like the Pharisees did in the day of Jesus. They stood on the street corners and they prayed out loud so everyone would see them. And Jesus called them out on it. It's very clear in the New Testament, in the Gospels. What's happening in Seattle is a profile of what's happening all across the cities and across the nation. And it involves more than just the homeless issue. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about that today. I also want to thank you for joining me today and thank you for supporting this ministry. Very, very much needed and very important and deeply appreciated. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. And yes, as discussed yesterday, you can contribute online. Just go to faith and freedom, all one word, faith and freedom dot us. And the first page that comes up, you'll see a, the dome of the Capitol and, and you'll see a little tab there that says donate. It's right beside my name, as a matter of fact, as you look across that, that bar. Very easy to do. Thank you. These are trying times, challenging times, difficult times for all of us in whatever endeavor we're involved in. So thank you so much for standing with us. Very, very helpful and much appreciated. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, she objects to the plan that they're getting rid of this guidance group. And uh, she said the reason she opposes it is it will lay off 10 people <laughs> in a city of millions. I mean, I, I don't know. Clearly, Durkin, like other Democratic progressives running cities all across the country, they miss the bigger picture. They're so into the tank with the far left, and they don't, I mean, they don't even deny that. Or maybe they just refuse to deal with reality. I don't know. Or maybe they don't care. I, I think they care what ultimately happens as long as they can claim progress and keep their job. Maybe that's it. I don't know what their thinking is, but I know what their actions are. Removal of camps have been essentially suspended since this virus outbreak, but the city now has failed for years in dealing with the homeless issue. In 2016, the Seattle Times, not a conservative newspaper, as everyone knows, they did an investigation. They found that the city's previous programs had not been working and dealing with the homeless issue was disorganized and chaotic, they said. This was four years ago. 
resulting in few referrals to shelters, yeah, very few, and a lawsuit over a camper's lost belongings. In fact, the city got sued because he said somebody of these people that were trying to help the, the homeless, they had lost some of this guy's personal belongings. I remember that lawsuit. It was amazing. But there's much more. But the Times concludes that the homeless efforts have failed, suggesting that the progress is just, these are the words of the Seattle Times, just chasing the same people around the city in a game of cat and mouse. That's exactly what's happening, because that's where progressive ideas and policies lead. But Seattle isn't the only failing city. The Hill is not a conservative uh, publication. It's a news organization. It's a, I think it's a, you're, you're giving them, you're giving them a break by calling them moderate. They lean left, but not nearly as far left as a lot of the news organizations, just to give you a perspective. But they published a story recently warning their readers about the relentless move toward the left of the Democratic Party and how it's destroying New York City. They note in the 1970s that New York City was a toxic brew of out-of-control crime, collapsing quality of life, and rising cost of living that drove wealthy residents out of the city, taking their tax dollars with them. Starved for revenue, they say, the city cut the budget, crime increased, creating a downward spiral of destruction. Well, I don't think you have to be brilliant to know that that's what happens. When lawlessness replaces the law and order, you have this kind of chaos. The Hill says that the youth of today can't believe that in those days, talking about the 70s in New York City in particular, That in those days, people actually put signs on the dashboard of their car that said, no radio. They were trying to ward off the nightly attacks of car break-ins to steal radios out of cars because they could sell them quickly on the street. People would also carry, and I'd heard this before, I I hadn't heard the part about the no radio thing on the dash of their car at night, but I had heard this about, about carrying cash. People back in, in the 70s in New York City would also carry a $20 bill in their pocket, but nothing more. They wouldn't even carry their ID or anything, but they'd carry a $20 bill in their pocket. And it was there to appease muggers who would catch them, maybe when they weren't around a lot of people on a sidewalk or somewhere in the city. And they would they would approach them and accost them and say, you know, I'm going to beat up on you if you don't give me some money. So the people would hand them the $20 bill just to get out of the situation. They carried a $20 bill so they could give it to the people who would mug them on the streets. I've heard that story a number of times, told I'm sure it's true. The Hill credited Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Bloomberg for turning things around. It was mostly Giuliani. But how did they do it? Well, it was simple. And the Hill talks about this to their credit. They said, what was their magic formula? tougher policing, a business-friendly approach on regulations and taxes, and cleaning up the city. All this rejuvenated the city, and it was once again called the Big Apple. Well, this story this story details how the same destructive downward cycle is occurring in New York City again, and the not-conservative publication says this. If Joe Biden were to win the presidency... The damage from Democrats, this isn't Ted Cruz talking, this is a moderate to left news organization. 
The damage from Democrats' leftward lurch will infect the entire country. But the AOC, talking about Ocasio-Cortez, slash Biden agenda will be most keenly felt in America's cities. Interestingly enough, this week, the Washington Times, which is leans does lean to the right, and the Wall Street Journal, which is kind of conservative as well, they've addressed this issue essentially saying the same thing. It's on people's minds. That's why I'm talking about it today. It's probably on your mind. If not, you should be aware. We should be informed. Progressivism isn't progressive. That's the point. It's cultural Marxism. It is at its very heart destructive. Marxism appeared on the scene in Europe in the mid-19th century. I mean, we probably have heard that. We certainly have heard the name Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. They claimed that the capitalist society was doomed to fail, and on behalf of the masses, they presented their version of socialism. Now, that's written into a whole manifesto, but I'm just summarizing in a couple of sentences here. But the socialist revolutions that they saw they wanted to bring about in Europe they generally failed. The Bolshevik Revolution of 1917 was a great example of that. What they believed, and Karl Marx talked a lot about this. I've studied him pretty extensively. It's, it's amazing what he was saying, and people were believing, but it happened. But what, what they were thinking would happen and what Marx predicted would happen is when there, a war took place in Western civilization, like the Bolshevik Revolution, the people would be, leave their homes to fight the war, and they would fight on various fronts and theaters, as they say, in war, and they would be disassociated from the, not necessarily, but only their family, and they were, but they would be disassociated from their nationalism or their patriotism to their country. In other words, the borders, the name of their country would become much less important. And they saw war as a way to bring about kind of a... a homogenization of all the people and you're no longer Russian or Polish or whatever. You're just a citizen. And that's what the goal was. And it was stated before the fact, but it didn't work out that way. After these guys fought the war and the ones that didn't get killed went home, they went home to their family, certainly, but they went home to their country. They loved their country. And Karl Marx had missed that. He didn't think that would happen. So the, the socialist revolutions as he saw them, generally failed. And aside from Mao's communist takeover of China, which the Communist Party still rules China, as we all know, what would, that happened in the Eastern culture, not the Western culture. But the only socialist movements that succeeded were those that were forcibly imposed on Moscow, by Moscow, on most of the Central and Eastern Europe, resulting in what, remember, was called the Iron Curtain, it was darkening the continent for the next 40 years after that happened. Wall in Berlin and all that stuff. Well, followers of Marxism were profoundly disappointed. His disciples. We've moved beyond Marx now. He's out of the picture. The people that believe in him and believe in his ideology are carrying this forward. So they needed a new strategy. Years later, people like Gramsci, Mark Hughes, you've heard some of the names. There's a, there's a group of them, but these are the two main guys. 
and others, they created what became known as the Frankfurt School in Germany and determined that Marx had gotten it wrong. They embraced him, but they said, no, he miscued, and they basically said what I've just told you. Yet we failed with the war and all that stuff. It didn't work out because that was an attack on the economic component of Western civilization. But what we need to do is attack the culture, not the economic system. And so they created this plan, these guys, Gramsci in particular, Pete Buttigieg's father, remember him? The openly gay guy was running for president here a while back. Well, his dad taught that in college. He taught Gramsci's, his teachings. So anyway, it's alive and well. So these guys came up with this plan, how to create a revolution that would destabilize the cultures of Western society, particularly America. They hate the Western culture. They hate America. They hate the principles upon which America was founded. So the primary targets of this were to abolish the traditional family, deny specific roles for male and female, like father and mother, teach sex and homosexuality to children, and create another sexual revolution, the younger the better, in public school under the guise of sex education. Part of their plan was to mobilize women as revolutionaries against men through massive feminism, open borders to abolish national identity, cause people to do to become dependent on the state through welfare programs, and to co-op the news media and entertainment. All this while masculinizing women and feminizing men. The thing that they saw that most blocked their so-called progress was the Christian church, the biblical Christian church. That was seen as the most formidable roadblock to their progress. All of this is a matter, I'm, I'm not like making this up or, or extrapolating from other sources. They, I mean, they discuss all this in the things they wrote. So the Christian church was the main target because they felt if they could not get rid of it, they knew there were too many Christians, but if they could desensitize it to the fact that people didn't take it too seriously and said, well, it may be that, but it may be this, and just question the integrity of, of the Bible in the sense that it's the authentic, infallible Word of God. They could get around the Bible and they could say, okay, be a Christian, but but you can't believe this, you can't believe that, and so on. This, this isn't true. And in the name of tolerance, in the name of compassion, you have to do these things. And they could kind of rework or redefine Christianity itself and say, sure, no, no, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, but man, women have a right to an abortion. I mean, yeah, I know the Bible says thou shalt not murder, but this is choice. This is, a, this is women's health. That's the process. Does it sound familiar? Yes, it does. The cultural Marxists and their newly indoctrinated followers, right out of public education, they seized and they fed the secu- sexual revolution in the 1960s through the sexual revolution, all of the institutions that established order and traditional societal norms, values, traditions, ideas, they were all canceled, or at least undermined. Marx's economic theories had failed, but this wicked offspring in cultural Marxism 
seemed alive and well, and they said, Eureka, we have found it. This is what we want. Cultural Marxism is the father of the Democrat Party's identity politics and political correctness. It is the father of transgender insanity, gender confusion, and normalized homosexual behavior. It's the father of radical polarization of this nation. When you hear people stand up and blame Trump or anyone else for such a polarized country, the person you can really blame is Karl Marx and how his teaching was brought to bear on the culture by his disciples. I'll tell you, Karl Marx is the father of the Democrat Party's identity politics and political correctness. It's the father of transgender insanity, gender confusion, normalized homosexual behavior. It's the father of radical polarization. It is also the father of open borders and citizen rights for illegal aliens. It's the father of anarchy that has given rise to mass shooters and movies that celebrate hunting humans as sport and the riots that are burning and looting and closing our cities. It's what this professor from the University of Washington saw when he walked through his city the other night. It is birthed from the father of lies, from Satan itself. And until America sees that, as our founding fathers did and those who followed them, America is going to be in decline and our cities are going to be destroyed by secular progressivism. The people who seem to be elite, who stand on the street corner and they say their prayers loudly because they're virtue signaling. Nancy Pelosi can hardly make a statement anymore without quoting the Bible and she is, of all people, should not be quoting the Bible. She should be reading it and taking it for what it says. Jim Wallace, the same thing. Reverend Jim Wallace and his religious left, they're running around telling everybody they're sinful if they don't destroy this country, open the borders, and become a socialist nation. This is the spirit that has caused churches and Christians to depart from the faith and embrace the progressive left's agenda in the name of inclusion and equity and compassion. It's none of those things. The Bible teaches those values. They are not teaching those values. They're using them to destroy a nation and destroy a culture because that's what Karl Marx dreamed of in his evilness generations ago. That's what's going on. Open borders, abortion, same-sex marriage. It's all part. It isn't just happening. It's not progress. It's a path to destruction. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. This is it. That's what the Bible is talking about. Whether it's, whether it's a Protestant, Jim Wallace, or a Catholic, Nancy Pelosi, it's all the same. They are standing in absolute opposition to the Word of God. They are putting forth, knowingly or unknowingly, the most destructive idea that has ever been foisted on America. The last step for the cultural Marxists would be economic Marxism, socialism. And how many times have you heard that discussed in recent days? So it won't surprise you that Michelle Obama was pondering just the other day, this week, on her widely listened to podcast, how useful the coronavirus can be in achieving economic equity, she said, and I quote her, an opportunity to think about how wealth is distributed. That's how she defined the coronavirus. Will she consent to be Joe Biden's VP pick? (laughs) Karl Marx would be pleased with all this. Our founding fathers would weep 
More importantly, we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do about it? Well, you can think about that over the weekend. Have a great weekend, really. I'll see you right here on Monday, and we'll continue this conversation. Be blessed.